Discussing at work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Picard. Today, we're going to talk about the what penultimate Star Trek Picard episode at in Arcadia Ego Part One. Like always, I'm your host Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Stargate story himself, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm just wet in the storm, man. <laughs> no, nah, man. Just, just trying to push through as best we can. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of things to be happy about nowadays, but, you know, you got to keep your head above the water and keep on trying to, uh, you know, soldier on, I guess. Well, you know, I was going to mention earlier while we we're just, while we we're talking, this reminds me of a Doctor Who episode. And I think it was the Peter Capaldi Doctor where, like, the trees grew overnight. Hmm. Yes. I do not remember that episode. Yeah. That was in series eight. It was the third to the last episode. I don't remember something of the forest or something, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That, that's kind of what, what what this reminds me of. So hopefully something to that nature will just come happen overnight and then we can all resume to being normal again. Yeah, well, let's keep hoping. <laughs> <laughs> and also on the podcast tonight, we have the Who story. Speaking of Doctor Who, the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am excited to be here. This is normal for me. This is something I've been looking forward to. Podcasting Monday night. I'm here for it. Yes. So glad to be here. Yeah, man. Uh, glad to have each of you on. Hopefully the uh, tech story and carry be joining us a little bit later. The, the Trek story Jonathan Shorts is not going to be with us, but we're going to soldier on here. And uh, as always, guys, if you listen to this episode and you see that we're totally wrong about something or that we a little bit off and you want to, you know, send in a little corrections and nudges in the right direction, please send any of that into fans at discussingtrek.com. Or as always, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any other social medias. And yeah, we thank you guys for being along for the ride. Now, I don't have any news other than to say, guys, stay safe out there, man, because you... It's it's craziness. It's craziness. The state we're in right now. And I just want to wish everyone the best. And, you know, if you can stay home as much as possible, other than running out to get supplies, please stay home because it's, it's craziness, man. Craziness. All right. Well, if nothing else, we're going to move right along into our review of Star Trek Picard and in Arcadia Ego Part 1 review. Originally available for streaming March 19th and directed by Akiva Goldsman, who also directed Star Trek Discovery's Context is for Kings and Will You Take My Hand? With the Romulans in pursuit, Picard and the crew finally reach Soji's home planet and discover more than they expected about the inhabitants. We just came 25 light years in 15 minutes. I noticed a little turbulence. We call it Capaleus. I was born there. Do they hate us? I really don't think so. I'm picking up five bogeys coming right at us. All power's gone. What do we do about it? So we're going to get right into it and we're going to go around the horn and get everybody's opinion on the episode. High level opinion. And let's start with you, Kyle Jones. What did you think of Etienne Arcadia part one? I, I think this was brilliantly executed because it took all of the elements we've been building toward this entire season. I know I've said that before, but I keep feeling this every single episode. So 
elements coming together and they're gelling into a cohesive finale. So I, I enjoyed it. That's that's my summary view. So, yes, totally enjoyed it. And what about you, Jeremy? What did you think? You know, it's I, I've been kind of up and down this whole series the whole year. And this is it's starting to come together. So this this is a well done episode. It's it's, it's making it all worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, I'll throw it out there to Carrie, who's just joined. Man, what do you think about this episode? High level view. Um, Being a Star Trek noob, uh, there were some characters that popped up that I didn't know actually existed. Um, So that part was an interesting surprise, the way they kind of twisted Spiner um, returning. So I thought that was really awesome. Um, Overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And as for me, I I love the visual spectacle that was the beginning of the episode. Uh, I really loved everything, although some weirdness with what they had on screen. And we'll talk about that <laughs> later. But I, I did enjoy the visual visual spectacle of, you know, seeing a board cube on on um, in the desert. There is very reminiscent of the Star Destroyer and Jakku uh, on, on Star Wars. But yeah, yeah, I really love that. The visual spectacle was awesome. I love how they've expanded on the story of the sense just a little bit further, a little more intrigue. There's some weirdness going on with what they're doing with that that golem body that was sitting sitting there that uh, Gerardi and and um, and soon talked about. So, you know, uh, that's interesting. I want to see what they do with that. But just overall, I had fun with this episode. They uh, they introduced a lot of interesting concepts and also some that had me a little puzzled but we'll i guess we'll get into all of that but overall i think i pretty much enjoyed the episode and guys if you have not seen this episode uh we're gonna pretty much spoil everything from here on out so spoilers spoilers red alert all hands stand the battle station i'll give you the right you cannot destroy an idea at ease before you sprain something So first off, Kyle, you mentioned this a few episodes back when talking about Jonathan Frakes being listed in the special guest of the opening credits. Mm, I thought it again. Absolutely. (laughs) I thought it again. Oh, man, they really spoiled the surprise. I I really wish I hadn't saw Brent Spiner's name in the opening credits because that really messed up the surprise for me. Sorry, I gotta pull a Patrick Norton timeout here. Okay, like you, you guys actually watch the credits every time. I kind of do. I skip. <laughs> I skip them just about every time. See, it's weird. I skip the credits on everything except The Walking Dead, this, and Doctor Who. And actually, I also uh, did it on Discovery because I noticed in Discovery the, the there were tidbits that changed every episode it seemed like so i was trying to see if it was giving any clues Uh but 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 carrie on everything else i agree with you i skip but for this and those others that i mentioned um is that's the only ones i do well it was funny because i i think that on this i like i'm like you are on doctor who because i feel like the opening credits for this show is, is so cinematic that when I sit down to watch an episode of Star Trek Picard or Discovery for that matter, I like, you know, I cut the lights down, you know, um, 
no distractions, you know, I'm all in it, fully invested. And I just want to be, you know, taken into this world. And like the credits are part of that. And I don't really get that with any with few other shows. So, yeah, definitely. I'm paying attention to that. Even if I'm not, I might just happen to see it, you know, even if I'm not paying real close attention. But but, yeah, I, I did notice it. You know, since we're talking about credits, if, if you don't mind, let me ask a question. And I may have asked this earlier, but I can't remember if I did. And my question is, do I do any of you guys notice that it seems like there's something to do with some of the images that look to be like an eye that then be, like a retina of an eye that then becomes a robot looking eye right before it goes to Picard's face? Oh, don't do that. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not saying that, that Picard's a robot. That's not what I mean. But, but, but go back and look. There's a whole bunch of eye imagery, at least is how I interpret it. Actually, I did not notice, man. But now that you brought it up, uh, I think I'm going to go back and take a look because they definitely have a lot of imagery that's, you know, very close, closely related to this season in the opening credits for Picard. So, yeah, I, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds interesting. Cool. Well. Thanks to Kyle, I don't actually pay attention to the credits anymore, so I won't be spoiled. <laughs> I just, I, I, I like the theme, so I listen to you. I listen to it, and I can just kind of glance over every now and then, you know, until the credits are over. But I make a point of not looking at the credits specifically, just so I won't have that little bit of spoiler. Yeah. All right, so we make it through the Borg transwarp conduit, you know, twenty-five light years in fifteen minutes, as they say. I uh, see a very beautiful looking planet, you know, so it looks like Earth called Capellius. Then all H.E. double hockey sticks, dicks break loose. Um, how do we feel about the dog fight between the La Serena and, and Narek and the, the unexpected emergence of the Borg Cube? Jeremy, I suspect you have a lot to say about the, the Borg Cube coming out of nowhere to to help the crew there. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It was it was a pretty visual, and you know I I love me some Borg. So anytime they're involved, I'm just a, you know, it's, I'm like a fat kid with a birthday cake. I'm just happy. <laughs> Were we surprised to see them at all uh, from the last episode? They weren't. It seemed like they were really in pursuit at the at the time, but I think they kind of explained it off. But were you surprised at the moment to see them kind of appear? No, 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 I wasn't surprised because I mean they they built up the Borg all season, so they're 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 not done with the Borg yet. They can't be. Yeah, that's... are there going to be a there's going to be a very stern letter written to every single one of these people involved with this show if they just kind of write them off at the last minute? <laughs> I mean, that, that is really interesting because, like you said, we've really built into the lore of 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 you know these XBs um, and and what they're doing, and it seems like now that we're at the end of the season, they really don't have a whole lot to do with what's happening mm. in the story. Oh, but I think you just. By accident, my friend, I think you may have stumbled upon what I see as the cliffhanger finale of what's going to happen next week. Let's hear it. Or you want to save it for the end? (laughs) Either way, if you want me to save it. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So my, my prediction is that the sentient being that is going to be made is not going to be data. It's going to be lore. And Lore takes control of the Borg ship. <sighs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So so you're talking about and we can get into it. Just go get right into it right now. Once we're on Capelli station talking to Alton Soong and we see him in the room with Dr. Girardi and he's showing 
Jurati this, he calls it a golem. And they go on for this conversation a few minutes talking about mind transfer, brain transfer. What the what is my precious? (laughs) 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 That that, you know, somebody, if you're listening out there, guys, please write in and tell us. But I don't I don't remember a whole lot of mind transfer stuff happening in the Star Trek universe. This is their way of bringing data back without breaking the lore. That's what it is. Pun intended. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not intended, but yeah, that's funny. But who will it be? You know, are, are they trying? To me, they could go a few ways. You know, I definitely got X-Men 3 vibes a little bit. You know, a dying Picard. And then we have this body of something that can, a uh, mind can be transferred into it. I, mm, I got I, that too. Yeah, I got X-Men 3 vibes. But if you're trying to bring data back, how would that even work? I mean, obviously, Brent Spiner cannot reprise his role as, you know, 25 year ago data. So what exactly are they planning? Unless they want him to be computer generated. Uh, I don't think they got the budget for that. What about Girati? Couldn't they turn Girati, uh, transfer Girati's? Because uh, they, they kind of pointed out to her about this golem. So it seems like she'd be the, I guess the natural successor. I'm like, I, I, I don't, okay, I don't think any of that's going to happen. I say data in quotes. Like I believe that, is it Dr. Whatever his name is? He like, he's all about getting the, um, the, the, the synth help. I won't say any more than that at this point, but I'm like, if the synths come, they're going to kill you. But it's like, I believe he's going to get transferred into that, golem like that's uh, what i think this is gonna happen so maybe he's dying too and he wants to it wouldn't make sense you know how he's, he's like gerardi's assisting me like she's vital to my success like it, like it just seemed like interesting it seemed like that was what was gonna happen so to me. So, so essentially it would be an in canon way to bring back an older data is what's kind yeah, of that's like, what yeah yeah that's what i've been trying to say huh. interesting Mm, that'd be I like that, actually. If they pulled it off right, that'd be fascinating. Yeah, I'm like, do we want that? Do we want that, really? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be cool, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get a little little further in this. Uh, let's let's go back a little bit and talk about this intro scene again. Um, good points there. We, we may hit some of that again a little later on. But again, with this first battle, Borg Cube, Narek, La Serena, flowers giant flowers cheesy and dumb or new and interesting what the the first thing i thought when i saw those flowers was it immediately reminded me of the reapers on mass effect and it fits because they're synths so i was like that's matt they need to pay the mass effect people some royalties because i mean they don't necessarily look like reapers but like the way they open up it totally reminded me of a Reaper from Mass Effect. Really? See, it's been a minute since I played Mass Effect. I can't quite remember what the Reapers looked like. See, for some reason, for me, they reminded me a little bit of the creatures on Encounter from Farpoint, or Encounter at Farpoint. Ah, yeah. And actually, for me, I know you guys remember we reviewed the um, the TAS uh, animated series episode, and there was like some flower ships on that. I believe if I remember correctly. So I don't know. I thought it looked beautiful. It definitely looked 
awesome on screen. And to think these things could bring down a board cube, you know, yay flower, I guess. <laughs> but 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 it, it, it did it did feel um, different. I'll say that. Jeremy, did you have any thoughts on it? Well, well I have. A, so, I mean, it was like it was very visually it's very pretty. Just my brain went to like, don't flowers need oxygen to survive? And how are they surviving in the vacuum of space long enough to take down a Borg ship? They're synthetic flowers, Jeremy. No, no, <laughs> that is not an acceptable answer. <laughs> we, just call them, we just call them flowers. <laughs> yeah, flower power. This is not Super Mario. I need a real good answer for this. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, but well, I, I I did find it ironic that you know this synth civilization was using organic material to, you know, protect themselves. I wasn't under the impression that it was organic, but maybe I missed that. I thought it was like synthetic, but I don't know. Well, but I do think they're doing some things to begin to blur the lines between synthetic and organic, especially you know we'll get into it. But the mind mill, I. I that felt impossible for an Android to do to me, but we'll get yeah. into it a little bit later. <laughs> uh, but but let's 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 stay with this battle just a little bit longer. Uh, the La Serena gets caught in the giant orchid. Picard starts to chant something, talking through him. I don't know, but to me, that whole thing of him chanting those words was just a good excuse for him to get scanned. Um, and I, I want to actually like, do we feel like the whole notion of this? I'm going to say a brain disease or this extension of the uh, TNG aromatic syndrome. Do we think uh, this is, feels a little forced? They're trying to force an emotional anchor on us a little too hard in this episode. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Don't worry about me. I am. I am <laughs> fine. <laughs> You're Patrick Stewart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 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 you know, from my personal opinion, it just felt much too forced because we get the moment with him and uh Jerry Ryan, I'm sorry, 709 and and um and what's his name? Karate guy. Can't remember. Elnor. Uh, uh, Elnor. Elnor, excuse me. Elnor. And we also get the moment at the end with him and Raffy, Raffy actually saying I love you. Awkward. Awkward moment. I love, so, I love you too. So I understand. <laughs> I understand Rappy's emotional response, but like Elnor and Seven, that we we don't see them getting told, but at some but at some point Elnor makes reference to it. So how did they find out? I'm pretty sure. I think one news. of the crew members told them. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I mean, uh, the, that's all well and good, but we I, didn't see that. You know, yeah, and it would have been. Yeah, a I nice think little, they insinuated that Girardi told him. That was one of the issues I had with this episode was just, you know, the, the, the distribution of information when there's no way we've seen we've seen the distribu- distribution of information. Yeah, it just kind of spreads. <laughs> I guess I, right. I guess how it spreads in real life. It goes around. We never know, you know, who's saying what. But but one of the things that really bothers me about this, they call it brain disease. They never call it the aromatic syndrome, which it might not be. But that's what it likely is, because that's what it was in. In TNG, if I remember correctly, but they just never call it that for some reason. Maybe it's like a writing credit reason or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was about to say that 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 would make sense. But yeah, I agree with you there. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, they make it to C- Capelius. Um, the group, I guess we already talked about the head tar to board Q, but really I just want to talk about this. And we mentioned a little bit with you earlier, uh, Jeremy, but just the visuals of 
what they accomplish. Again, I talked about it when I uh, gave my little 3000 foot view, but the, the way the board cube looks and just all the visual world building they do for this episode, I just feel like it's top notch. Any, anybody else have thoughts on the visual aesthetic of the episode? Wonderful. Yep. Agreed. But let me say this about the Borg cube. We saw a Borg cube come to the rescue. Now, just (laughs) think about how deep that is for Star Trek story. A Borg cube came to the rescue. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. But that's not the first time that's happened, though. Enlighten us. Um, I think it was Unimatrix Zero when... um, they relieved those Borg who were able to go to this this dream space called the Unimatrix Zero. When they relieved all those Borg from the collective, the one of the Klingons took over one of the uh, Borg cubes in that sector they were in. So yeah. they were actually able to help them fend off the other Borg attack. Yeah, I think I remember that episode, actually. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and for me, like, I mean... Uh, you know, that's interesting you bring it up, uh, Jeremy. But if you think about like the horror, what the Borg represent, you know, I, I think of you got to think of the many episodes we had in TNG as well as especially Voyager. And even up until the last episode when that Borg was it a fear, I think it was a fear uh, pursuing them. You know, is the, the Borg are usually a sign of fear and dismay. <laughs> and and I think it's kind of cool to have it flipped on his head that the, the Borg cue is actually, you know even though it's not the first time actually coming to the aid of uh, Picard. Now, the one issue I did have with this whole scene when they make, actually make it to the Borg cube is that everyone seems to be alive and collected at the exact spot where they walk in. <laughs> from, uh, you know, and, and I, I get it, you know, we're saving time for the, you know, for the show, but, you know, it could have, you know, it's been like a little bit of searching for them or something, gone deeper into the cube to try to find somebody. Yeah. But no they one... all happen to gather up right there at that same opening. Yeah, knowing how massive it is, it's kind of you know, weird from the all, you know. I, I get that. Be all, <laughs> conveniently at one spot. Yeah. But, but they did refer to him as Locutus when he walked in. They did. They did. And, you know, uh, w- what What I get from that, once again, we have Seven slash Jerry Ryan being awesome as she's been in this series all along. So I I definitely love that. And, and I don't... <laughs> I wish John was here to talk about this, but I know he has an issue with Elnor uh, so far. But we have Elnor being just a Carrie, You hit it on the head a few episodes back. He's just a big kid. He's like a thirteen-year-old. He just goes and to hook. And every time I see him, I, I like the character even more. <laughs> oh, he's just a big kid, man. Which is fine. I mean, it just feels weird. Yeah, I just find him refreshing. I'm sorry. It's just, no, I'm not sorry. I like the character, and <laughs> I just find him refreshing. Yes. So also on the board cube there, they um, they engage long-range sensors, and they figure out there's 218 warbirds headed their way. But, you know, right before Picard left and went to Capella Station, he made an interesting comment to uh, Seven and Nine that really felt weird, and I was like, what is he talking about? Um he told her that it's up to her to save the galaxy. So I don't know if they're trying to make us feel like, you know, if you add the idea of him having this brain disease and he's telling her it's up to her to save the galaxy is really they're trying to throw us some sh- in the wrong direction, I guess, to make us think like he's going to leave. But the show is called Picard. So he's not leaving. I hope. 
Uh, <laughs> you never know, but that'd yeah. be awkward next season. <laughs> but they're definitely trying to throw us in the wrong direction. You know, they're trying their darndest. Well, it, you know, this whole series has kind of reminded me of a Western, the way it's set up. So maybe he thinks this is his last stand, the last gunfight at the OK Corral, and ah. somebody's got to pick it up when he dies. Well, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and look at it, too, from the perspective of he he doesn't know if he may die in this next thing. And you're using those to which you're in contact with to make whatever you need to go do this as opposed to we don't know if he can communicate with or from being in seclusion, he may not be able to uh, communicate to Riker and whatever to give. You need to go save the universe thing. Yeah. So we enter Capelli station or as Rafi calls it rather brilliantly Sithville, which I really like, <laughs> uh, whichever you want to call it. Go ahead. So, Again, we talk about the realization of the synth homeworld and how that actually played out on screen. But also we have a cavalcade, a smattering, a bunch <laughs> of synths there at Capilius Station in wide ranges and variety of shades and sizes. So what do we think about the realization of the synths on this homeworld? They sparkle and not in a good way. <laughs> Not like the vampires. Diverse. Diverse. Yeah. Different stages of evolution is kind of what I got from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I definitely found it interesting seeing some that looked very much like Data, you know, look very close how Data look. And, you know, I guess, you know, as you mentioned, Carrie, through the generations, the different iterations of building these, they got a little bit better and a little bit better until they got to Soji, you know. So I... I I'd like how they actually did the world building, I guess is the word there to actually show us, you know, how they actually evolved. So I really love that. Any comments, Jeremy? But nobody looks as human as Soji does. Yes. She, I, she's the flagship. <laughs> or flagship the last. model. Yeah. Yeah. She, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just even, look. Even Soji's twin or her predecessor, I, I can't remember her name at the moment, but, um, you know, she looks more plastic than human, I guess you could say. Well, yeah, Sutra. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess Sutra was the companion to, or the the not dyad, what they call it. She was her and Jana was made together because they make them in pairs, I guess. Uh, but but yeah, you see the evolution uh, of of how they've gotten better over the years. So I found that very interesting. One thing that kind of confused me, though, I'm not gonna lie. And it's like, I feel like instead of just having them look differently, there should have been like different actual like cognitive stages to their evolution. Because like, even though they look different, they still act just like her. The only difference is how they look. Good point, man. Kind of like that hive mentality of, say, the Borg. Well, I, I think he's saying more like the ones their that were earlier. Level of intelligence, yeah. I guess I should okay, say. I got you. I got you. So like the early early ones should have been moving and acting more like data. But to me, it seemed like they all pretty much moved and acted mostly the same. Yeah, I guess Arcana and acted a little bit more robotic to me. But yeah, some of her yeah. facial expressions were a little stiffer. But like as far as like her like thinking and like the um like the the plotting and stuff that she did in the episode, I was like, 
the that's the one of the two things that bothered me was that like she seemed like she was a little too. I don't want to say intelligent because that feels like I'm being mean, but I felt like she was a little too intelligent to, you know, versus the way she was designed. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I like the visual between um, Sutra and, um, oh, I, now I've Soji. lost her name. Soji. Thank you. Because you could tell that it was the same actress. We know we've seen different versions, but they, especially in the scenes that they shared together, they were distinctive enough to where it you got lost in the story and kind of forgot that it was the same actress, or at least I did. Great acting on her part, by the way, just through the whole thing, being able to, and, you know, I've never seen Orphan Black, but I imagine it's along the same lines, playing two different characters in the same room at the same time. That's got to be difficult, but it, she pulled it off uh, flawlessly, so kudos to her. Yeah, Issa Briones. So she did an excellent job. I mean, but few people can rival Tatiana Maslany. She's freaking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and when you say, J- Jeremy, when you say two, try five <laughs> or more. Yeah. But but actually, um, Cristobal Rios, I, I don't forget the actor's real name, but uh, so he, uh, yep, yep. But he's amazing as well when he has to do the different uh, EMA or emergency holograms. He's actually excellent in that as well. So, you know, good acting all oh, around. Oh, indeed. Yeah. So let's talk about the human that was on Capelius. We kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but Brent Spiner playing yet another soon related character. Uh, this time his real son, Alton Indigo soon, mad scientist. So if you've watched Enterprise and I'm sure some of you guys have, Brent Spiner actually played the soon that created Data's grandfather on an episode or two of Enterprise where he was doing something kind of similar because he was helping the um, the genetically engineered people in that episode. So it's kind of cool seeing Brent Spiner back to do something slightly similar. But but yeah, it, it definitely reminded me of that Enterprise arc where he was kind of uh, had these um, genetically engineered children that he was trying to help on that arc. So, yeah, I, I found it very similar. But what did you guys think of Brent Spiner in this episode? Brilliant as always. He looked like he was having fun. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, I I think that he's kind of like him as a person. I feel like he's kind of killed Data in his mind, but he's happy <laughs> to be like doing, you know, interacting on a tele on a Star Trek show again. And, and it clearly showed. Like he, he was just he really enjoyed himself. Yeah, it did look like he was having fun. But he, I guess he was like, man, I don't have to put on any makeup. I can just come out here and, and, and act. <laughs> he has to think that's fantastic. I don't have to be a robot now. Yay. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only time I've ever seen an actor like seem to enjoy himself more than I felt like he was, was when Andy Serkis was in Black Panther just having the time <laughs> in his life. Like, Yeah, to me, Spiner was just excellent. Like you said, Carrie, he was having a lot of fun in the role. Um, I love how they did this excellent thing of, you know, we're used to seeing Brent Spiner as Data working with um, Picard, working with Patrick Stewart. But they did a wonderful thing in this episode where they're really butting heads by the end of it. And I loved every second of that <laughs> to see an angry Brent Spiner going at um, Patrick Stewart. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. So let's 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 get into Sutra in this episode. Sutra and this mind meld with Jurati. Oh, 
first, first, yeah, Speaking first of off, the second thing I didn't like about this, <laughs> is that even possible? Yes, that is the question I want to ask. Should at, should it have been possible for an organic and a synthetic to have a mind mill? First, first of all, and second of all, why would they even allow it to happen? I mean. Like, number one, like, so again, stupidity. she should not be evolved enough to do something like this, even if it was possible and it shouldn't be possible. This is like Superman snapping Zod's neck all over again. <laughs> like, it should not happen. Yeah. I was very upset. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, some someone and it may have been Jonathan that, that mentioned this um, earlier in one of our episodes, which was something was done for the sole purpose of advancing the story. This yeah. to me was sole purpose of advancing the story. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I would have been able to take this more if she just like scanned her brain or something. Like yeah, exactly. that would have made more sense than like a mind mill. Yeah. And and the, the notion that, okay, the notion is someone say, I, I like, I like birds. I like how they fly so I can just study them and, you know, learn the bird songs. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but learn the bird songs. And then all of a sudden I can fly, you know, she's, a, she's, <laughs> she's fundamentally something different. Now I know they are, but that's exactly the, what they did here. Yeah. But yes, but, but <sighs> they're attempting to close the gap between sense and humans. They make it, they make the point in the vision, which I'll talk about in a second that they're closing the gap. But to me, it still felt like a bit of a stretch. You know, I, I, I did not like that choice in this episode. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And said vision, like most things, is all about interpretation, <sighs> which is that Vash sees as a warning for the sense of the sense. And the sense, mainly Sutra, sees it as a warning of the organics. So let's let's get into the interpretations Again, my whole point to why would you, even if you knew she could do a mind mill, why would you let her mind mill with Gerardi? It's a bad idea. <sighs> yeah. All right. So let me let me say this. Speaking of Gerardi, it's just like in a couple of minutes, all is forgiven. Did anybody get that? It's like all of a sudden, well, you know, she did this, but now she's, Rafi, she's okay. you're going to have to shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think it, it it may be a little bit easier for the crew of the Les Arena to forgive her, even though she does a cruel act. And Bakar says we're going to stop at Starbase 12. I mean, Deep Space 12. We're going to drop you off to the authorities. But in this case, she killed their creator. She killed. Yeah. Their <laughs> yeah. And like, all right, I hate to be the horse. But there's one more thing about that scene to bother me. OK, so like. <laughs> Like, okay, so let's say the sense brain or processing or whatever is more advanced. And the reason that Gerardi cannot understand the vision or any human or organic cannot understand the, the vision was because the processing power of their brain was too, like, limited to process it. Uh -huh. um, this would be like taking a, um, a movie theater movie, like filming it on a cell phone and then taking that cell phone file and turning it into 4k. Like it just, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So you're saying, how does she retain all the information in her brain? If it's yeah. so vast and, and yeah. Like how could she store it all there? If, if it, it just didn't make sense, it, it was just dumb. Like by on every like count. Yeah, I definitely get that. And and I want to get into a little, uh, a little of what was said in the actual vision organic, lives evolve 
yearn for perfection. That yearning leads to synthetic life, but organics perceive this perfection as a threat. When they realize their creations do not age or become sick or die, they will seek to destroy them, and in doing so, destroy themselves. And then they go a little bit further. Beyond the boundaries of space and time, we stand in alliance of synthetic life. Summon us and we will come. We will have your protection. Space and time, Cal Jones? Yeah. I didn't get that. And I didn't get what they meant even watching it. So do you? Did you get it? Control. <sighs> oh, well, that's good. <laughs> well, we have space and time in Discovery. We have time travel in Star Trek proper, proper throughout the years. But to think this race of synths created this octonary, created this signal, and then went into another time frame, I guess, to hide. I don't know. How are they going to wrap that up in one episode? <laughs> that seems so bad. That's that's beyond sort of beyond what Star Trek is. It's I don't know. Sounds like it's time for a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover. There's actually been a comic that it has been a Doctor Who Star Trek crossover, believe it or not. That was the Matt Smith Doctor, right? That did that. I haven't read it, but I, I've read about it. But that I, was Matt Smith, correct? I think so, yes. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to do it, now's the time to do it because they've kind of screwed everything else up. Might as well. <laughs> Just waiting for a Stargate to pop up. Uh, yeah, man. But but beyond space and time, I, I really have no idea it's interesting that there it kind of reminds me of the 8472 in the fluidic space a little bit but to think there's a sentient race of synthetics out there that are waiting for a new fresh generation to awaken and they'll come save them that that's a that's kind of huge and i i don't know what to think on that would it be easier for them to just like put some probes out or something like <laughs> It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Like this whole narrative about like this futuristic, like organism, synthetic, like just waiting at the edge of space for like the signal, and then the Calvary's gonna come. Like it just, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna shut up. Ugh. So, so of course, Sutra in all her uh, deviousness wants to summon these synthetic gods. Soji does not, or at least acts like she doesn't at first. Um. So I want to get into a bit of Sutra's actions going forward and really pose a question. Do we even know who the bad guy is, who the, who the antagonist is at this point? Because I have no idea. I mean, like the whole thing that throws me off about this is that, like, I was under the impression that um, since we're supposed to be like, um, like neutral, like not good or evil, just, you know. Yeah. I like that's the I, I don't understand why you would create a synth with a devious personality like that. It does it just doesn't make sense. Like it it just didn't like it just didn't fit to me to have an evil evil synth. Well, with, like with all AI, it could go wrong. Obviously, if if you look from any of the myriad examples we've had in the past, uh, from well even from other properties, especially. Um, but yeah, it just feels kind of weird in Star Trek. But you have lore, so right. There's precedent for that. And, and in TOS, you have plenty of bad Android villains in, in uh, the original series. So I guess there's precedent for it. It just seems odd to me. Like that whole, I mean, I understand why they did it. It just, it just, it just felt weird to me. I, I, I'm not going to say it was bad. It just felt weird. 
Mm. So I'm going to throw this one over to Jeremy. Um, let's talk about Narek in this episode. <laughs> so, so before you begin, personally for me, he fell back to the bottom of my list. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on Narek in this episode, man? Told you guys. <laughs> um, he did nothing to redeem himself in my eyes. He's just... I, I just... yeah. I, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible, but there's just no good about this character. Like, there's no, there's, I feel like this re, this character is really unnecessary to the whole thing, but um, he's just a waste of space. There's as nice as that can say, he's just a waste of space. Huh. Kyle? All right. So I will say that he, he being the actor, is good at making you hate him because he did do a very good job of switching on that. Oh, I am so, you know, so, so sorry. And it's not my fault and all of that to immediately going into, I could bleep you up really, really quick. Yeah. So we shall rain fire down on you. Yes. <laughs> uh, your thoughts, Gary? Okay. Okay. All right. The thing about Nerick that I don't understand is that like, his character just doesn't make sense to me. So like he loves her, but he's going to kill her even though he loves her. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what did he want to do? Just get with her one more time. Like, I don't understand. Like, cause like he comes on to her. Right. And then she's like, man, I'm not, I'm not hearing that mess. And he's like, now we're going, okay, we're going to kill you anyway. Ha ha ha. Or whatever. Like it just, uh, yeah, I mean, early on, they definitely tried to play up like he was actually falling for her. But to me, in the impossible box, that kind of pivoted to where I really felt like Narek was a very cal- cold and calculated person. But I mean, in this episode, all of that goodwill and character progression kind of went out the door for me when he was just like a sniveling little brat. You were cool for a minute, but you just like fell to the bottom of the list, dude. He fell to the bottom of the list. Now he's continuing his cunning. He's continuing his um, conniving to try to get things to go his way. But again, like to where before I felt like it was very calculated and measured. Now it just feels like he's just he's not in control. And I don't like that. I thought, again, in the possible box, I very felt, much felt like he was in control of what he was doing. Now it just feels like he's kind of being dragged along. So. It's like what is he what exactly is he supposed to be doing right now? Like he found he found the planet and now he's just like walking around the planet. Like is, does he have another mission? Um is he gonna have a change? I have a feeling they're gonna cheese him into like a change of heart or something at the end. But like it just it doesn't make sense to me like what his character's supposed to be doing now. Like what purpose is he serving? Wow, as much as I like this episode, I sure do sound cynical. Oh, well, we're here to talk about it and break it down. So, I mean, I liked it too. I really loved it too, but, you know, we're being critics, <laughs> reviewers. Carrie, if it makes you feel any better, there have been times where I didn't walk into this podcast not liking an episode and actually end up liking it because of this conversation. <laughs> and, you know, it's gone back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, w- I will say Narek could not have anticipated a big giant orchid coming in the sky and taking his ship down. So, you know, hey, mm, good can't, point. Can't blame him for that. I, I think that would have thrown anybody <laughs> off their game. <laughs> like, what the what? So let's get into Soji's heartfelt conversation with Picard. A few themes are brought up that would trouble any human. 
you know, not to mention Android. So Soji makes a few comments to Picard, which I thought were very interesting. She mentions taking life to save life, hurting someone to save others. And they talk about the logic of sacrifice. And and they also mention like fear is the opposite of logic. But what if killing is the only way to survive? So all that to say this is is Soji planning to do something stupid. I kind of think she is. No, I, oh, I, I'm she sure drank she that Kool Aid really quick. Yeah, and man, I I have to give it to to Patrick Stewart and even even um Lisa Briones when she's troubled. I really feel it, and I feel I, I and I love everything Patrick Stewart is doing to try to keep her to keep the ship in the right direction. <laughs> you know, it's kind of what his role was in this whole episode every every since they had got on the planet and got to the colony or the um the city he's just trying to keep the ship in the right direction but you know you have soldier coming out of nowhere talking about you know no more organics and it's soji drinking the kool-aid like you said and he's just trying to stir the ship ever so slightly to keep everything from going to chaos so i asked the question earlier like uh who is the actual antagonist we got it coming from every size we have the 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 romulans you know, we got them coming. Uh, we have the the synthetics, of course, and Picard kind of in the middle. And I guess you could put the Federation in the middle as well to try to try to keep things from going haywire. But again, who's wrong and who's right? Yeah, you don't know. So again, let's just jump back to Narek one moment. And I want to talk about Narek and him working with Sultra and this whole martyrdom thing or having this synth die to be a martyr to to push her calls further. That's not nothing new, is it? I mean, we've seen that in history, especially here in, in our real world, right? True. Yeah. We have, and that's a very human thing to do. So did they like program these sins to be dumb? They knew he was a bad guy. Like they knew he was a bad guy. So they're like, okay, this one dude is bad. So let's kill all the other humans. Like it just it doesn't make sense. They know the Romulans are I, bad. I, like they already know they're bad. Like that's, that's what I don't understand about the whole plot, even though, yeah, I fully agree. I, I, I don't get what's going on with this at all either. I mean, it, it would be one thing if like if like if like Rafi or somebody killed one of them, like she's, she's supposed to be one of their friends or like if Picard like shivved one of them or something like that, <laughs> that that would I could see that sending them over the edge. But an evil Romulan whose only purpose in life is to destroy you kills a, a, a synth like. Newsflash, stop the presses. Yeah, yeah, for real. Ooh, let's destroy all organics now. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I I was Didn't just expect like, really? that to happen. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, man. So so much happening in this short episode. You know, it's hard to review, and we talk about this on Discussing Who all the time. It's hard to review these middle of double or triple episode arcs because you really don't get a resolution. You're kind of left holding the bag. You know, like, what are we going to do next? Um, so that's kind of where I am with this one It's you know, I'm waiting to see a bunch of things resolve, uh, the whole Narek thing. What is, uh, so what you're going to do, what, uh, is going to happen to Picard since we know he's now taken into custody, Gerardi helping the, the sense what this, this Gollum, like what is yeah, going and on? Did, and did you guys see that coming? Well, when you find a civilization and they call you their mother, uh, eh, you, you might help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. It's like, I oh, I hate to nitpick, but it's like Picard has lived his whole life to help you guys, but you're going to take the one in that like 
killed your creator. Like it just ugh. Yeah. And 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 if they're truly the offspring of data, they seem like they hold data in high regard. Data would never do what they're proposing. So that's off as well. But we'll see. We'll see. We have a lot to look forward to in the next episode. Uh, I did like seeing Commodore O aboard the Romulan Warbird at the end. That was pretty freaking awesome. Um, yeah. the, the very last shot. We're going to wrap this up. But any final thoughts before you kind of move on? Any tidbits I missed? We got spot two. I mean, any any other tidbits in the episode you want to bring up? I'll just say that I was not surprised that the Borg Cube showed up because in the preview for the last episode, they showed Picard and Elnor in the same shot in the episode preview. So I figured they were going to show up at some point. <laughs> yeah. And upon, like, this is so weird. Like, this this episode is like the, the rise of Skywalker in TV form. Like, when I watched it the first time, I got all the good feels from seeing Brett Spiner, who I've met in person, by the way. I, I, I got all the good feels from seeing him and, like, the the android planet because we've been waiting to see it like this entire season but when i like actually think about what happened a lot of it doesn't make any sense yeah and you know i, I think that's kind of what it's meant to do because it is a part one of a two-parter so true true yeah true. I, I again like when like you said when i watched it i enjoyed it i just watched it again i enjoyed the heck out of it but once you start to look at it with a kind of a critical eye and raise questions we have a bunch of questions but hopefully if if they do their job, all of those are going to be tied up into a nice, pretty bow in the next episode, or they'll leave us waiting to the next season. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it personally, though. I had fun with it. Yeah. So once again, thank you guys for joining. If you're listening and we missed something or if you want to chime in, you can always send in feedback to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up on the social medias at DiscussingTrek. We're going to go around the horn and see what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise. And Jeremy, what have you been working on, dude? Um, I've been watching more TNG. Um, I'm really, I, and I might be alone here. I'm really liking Pulaski. Uh, Even though there's a lot of hate for her out there. I'm Pulaski. really liking her. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, I've, I've, Jonathan was, I asked Jonathan last week. It's like, so are we supposed to like her or not? And she's like, no, she's, she's, you don't, I don't like her. Well, like, she speaks her do. mind. She speaks her mind, definitely. That might be why a lot of she, people don't like she, her. Well, see, I like, like Dr. House. You know, I, I like doctors for some reason. So it takes a lot for me not to like a television doctor. But she reminds me a lot of Dr. House and that gruff. I, this is what's going to happen whether you like it or not. Yeah. I think most people just don't like her because she, she replaced Crusher. Mm, good <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. That's but why I didn't I, like her. Well, I, I didn't. I, I kind of skipped season one, so I didn't get that closeness to Crusher that everybody else did. But, but also, what I was going to say beyond that was that this storyline reminds me of a book that came out like two years ago called Origin by uh, Dan Brown, where they discuss the convergence of artificial intelligence and humanity. Which, if you, if you like the like the Da Vinci Code, it's the same character who was in the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. So, you know, that's a really good book to check out of that series. And it, it touches on this. Cal Jones, man. What have you working on a podcast later otherwise? Dude? Well, for the last couple of weeks, I've been slowly editing our reviews, series review of series 12, and finished that up a little bit earlier today. So by the time this goes out, discussing who episode 188 will be out, which is our review of Doctor Who series 12. So that's what I've been working on lately. Carrie, okay, man, what have you been working on a podcast later otherwise? Uh, well, um, 
just been writing music, so I've got a couple new songs written. I'll probably post them on my SoundCloud or something soon. But other than that, nothing much. I have a lot of free time now, so um, I'll probably be trying to get um, Techpedition kicked back up. So yeah. um, holla back. Awesome sauce. Uh, I'm definitely um, just anxious to we we should have a conversation talking to, coming up talking about streaming. And well, not only streaming, but digital media. We had a conversation was it a year or two ago. We talked about digital comics and we just got some news that one of the biggest distributors or the distributor in the U.S. just shut down operations amid the COVID crisis. So that might be an interesting conversation to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, guys. And as always, thank you for joining. And uh, we always appreciate it. And again, social media, email, hit us up. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on earth, and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at relativitypodcast.com. Discussing that word. Oh, hi. This is an emergency transmission. The TARDIS must have detected an upsurge in psychological signals from somewhere in space and time. Basically, I think somebody somewhere might be a little bit worried. I'm actually just self-isolating, or as I like to call it, hiding from an army of Sontarans. But keep that to yourself. Now, here's what I do in any worrying situation. One, remember, you will get through this. And things will be all right, even if they look uncertain, even if you're worried, darkness never prevails. Two, tell jokes, even bad ones, especially bad ones. I'm brilliant at bad ones. Three, be kind, even kinder than you were yesterday. And I know you were super kind yesterday. Look out for each other. You won't be the only one worried. Talking will help. Sharing will help. Look out for your friends, your neighbours, people you hardly know, and family. Because in the end, we're all family. Four, listen to science and listen to doctors. Right? They've got your back. Five, stay strong, stay positive. You've got this. And I will see you very soon.